Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Aaron Eisman. I'm here with our incredible podcast producer, Mr. Andrew Coleman. How are you doing, my friend, Andrew? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am so excited. This week's Torah portion is the story of the first Jew down to Egypt. Many people know the story of the exodus from Egypt. Passover celebrates the Jewish people getting out of Egypt. But how did the Jewish people land in Egypt in the first place? And that is this week's Torah portion. So I want to jump right in. I just want to ask anybody who's listening to please do us the massive favor of giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. This way, more people can enjoy, tune in, and get Jewishly educated. Thank you for participating. Let us jump right in, my friends. Okay, so this week's Torah portion talks about the first Jews' exodus to Egypt. You know that on Passover, we celebrate the entire Jewish nation's redemption from slavery in Egypt after 210 years of slavery, but how did the Jewish nation land in Israel in the first place? And that is this week's Torah portion. So let's jump right in. Last week, Jacob is coming to Israel after being many, many years away, and he comes back to Israel, and he really wants to just settle down and live in Israel, but it's not going to be very peaceful as he's hoped. The children of Jacob, his sons, there's some squabbling amongst them. You see, Joseph and his brothers, you see, Joseph has a dream, and he tells his brothers the dream. And the dream is that there's 10 bundles of wheat that bow down to him. And the brothers are obviously very bothered by this. Well, how could this be? And then he has another dream. He says that there's the sun and the moon and 10 stars that bow down to him. And again, he tells it to his brothers. And of course, they're bothered. That means mom and dad and and Jacob and 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 us, we're all going to be bowing down to him. We're going to see how this dream actually comes true in the coming portions. But he's telling these dreams, and there's a tremendous animosity between Joseph and his brothers. And one day, J Jacob asked Joseph, "Go check on your brothers in the field." And he's going to to go meet them and go just see how they're doing. And they see him coming, and they say, "There's a dreamer. Here comes the dreamer." And they decide amongst themselves that they're going to kill him. Now, this seems very strange and very crazy in our standards, but there's a lot of depth. Again, when we're judging great people, we have to realize that they're judged at a different standard than, uh, than we are. There's not a time in this podcast to really dig deep into what actually occurred, but just a, a little taste. You see, there's something called a pursuer. What is a pursuer? A pursuer is someone that's coming to kill you. You are permitted and actually commanded to kill them first. So Joseph, they, according to, according to some of their thoughts, was that Joseph was a pursuer. Why was he a pursuer? Because he would snitch to their father about them. Now, their father, Jacob, was an incredibly holy man and had incredible powers. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, when Jacob said to Laban, Laban was running after Jacob, and he said, who stole my idols? That Jacob didn't steal his idols, and he thought that no one in his family had stolen his idols. So he said, whoever stole your idols should die. And he didn't know that his wife, Rachel, had stolen the idols. And because Jacob said those words, Rachel actually died. So Ra Jacob's 
you know, again, the, the mouth of a holy person, when a person keeps his mouth pure, obviously we should learn from this that we should be keep our mouth as pure as possible from foul language, from gossip, because, uh, you know, the more the more holy our mouth is, the more potent it is. And uh, Jacob is a very, very holy man, and the brothers were concerned that if Joseph is snitching or sort of talking to Jacob about them so that he, they could actually die because Jacob might get upset or whatever. They were concerned. So they judged him as perhaps he has the rule of a pursuer and therefore we should kill him. And they were going to do that. But their oldest brother, Ruben, said, no, 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 don't kill him. Why don't let's throw him into a pit? Now, why, why, why? Because if you throw him into a pit, so then if he dies, so then you were right that he's a pursuer. And then that, that is sort of taking your direct action out of it. And if he doesn't die, so then it's better that, 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 he, that he shouldn't have died. So therefore, Reuben suggested throw him into a pit and therefore uh, let sort of God determine what his fate will be. And they threw him into a pit and then Reuben left. And then a caravan of Arabs were traveling by and the brothers decided to sell him to this caravan as a slave. And the caravan of Arabs were, were carrying sweet smelling spices down to Egypt. And they sold Joseph as a slave to Egypt. And that is how the first Jew made it to Egypt. And just, 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 uh, just to take a couple points from here, Reuven said, throw him into the pit. Now the Holy Book said that if now we are studying this work thousands and thousands and thousands of years later that Reuven was judged favorably that, wow, Reuven was, was, was such a hero. He saved Joseph's life. He said, throw him into a pit. And the Holy Book say a beautiful idea, my friend, that if Reuven had known that the Torah would report about his good deed, he would have taken Joseph on his shoulders and ran back to his father, Jacob. And then we would be saying, wow, Reuben, what, well, he is a hero, but he like it would have been much more of a hero. And there's such an important lesson in this that like was Reuben, was Reuben uh, power hungry? Like is he, was he uh, a publicity hound? Like, wow, if I had known that the cameras were on me, I would have been much more. But it's, 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 it's an idea that we have to internalize that our actions matter and they're going to be eternally remembered. Everything we do is going to be eternally remembered. Just like we read about Reuven, we're going to read about you and I. There's just, you heard about the book of Job and Joshua and Ezekiel. There's going to be a book of Andrew Perlman and a book of Rabbi E. And every one of our actions throughout life are going to be recorded. And we should be publicity hounds because for eternity, this, our actions, we are creating ourselves. We have free will to be able to create ourselves. I don't want to get carried away with this idea, but I don't want to lose that, that uh, opportunity to point that out. What a powerful lesson that our actions matter. And if we do something a little bit better or a little bit worse, that makes an incredible difference. So Reuven says, throw him into the pit. They throw him into the pit and then eventually get sold to a group of, of Arab merchants going to, uh, going to Egypt, and he get, goes to Egypt, and he gets sold in Egypt to Potiphar, the wife of, uh, I'm sorry, he gets sold to Potiphar, who is a, a uh, minister in the court of, of, of Pharaoh, and he works his way up as, you know, to be the head of the household. 
And Potiphar's wife has her eye on Joseph and she's trying to be with him and she's trying to seduce him and she keeps trying to get with him. And jo Joseph it keeps trying to push her away. And it comes a day that one day Joseph comes to do his work in, in the palace of Potiphar and there's no one else there. And she goes over to him and she grabs him by his, by his clothing and she says to him, if you don't lie with me, then I'm going to say that you raped me. And, and she's grabbed and, and Joseph sees, uh, jo Joseph sees, jo Joseph runs away and, and the, the, the commentary say that he saw the most of him, that he saw his father's face and he, he, he ran away to avoid sinning with this married woman and he ran out and, and he ran out of his clothing like he I guess she grabbed his shirt and he ran out without a shirt and then she she came running out and she said you know he tried to be with me and I and I screamed so he ran away and and that is why I have that's why I have his shirt so Joseph was thrown into prison for 10 years and Joseph is in prison for 10 years and after 10 years he, he's joined in prison by two ministers of Pharaoh, the baker, the Pharaoh's head baker and Pharaoh's head butler who in charge of the wine. You see the wine merchant, the, the wine butler had, the Pharaoh had found a, a fly in his wine. So he was thrown in prison and the baker, Pharaoh had found a little stone in his bread. So he was thrown in prison and they were thrown in prison. And, and one day they, they, they seemed very despondent. And Joseph comes over to him and says, what's the matter? You seem, uh, you seem very down. They said, well, we had a dream and we don't know how to interpret it. So he said, I'll tell you what, tell me, tell me the dream and, uh, and, I'll, and I'll try to interpret for you. So he, they both tell him his dream. And Joseph says, Mr. Baker, sorry to tell you, but your dream means that you are going to be hung. In three days, you're going to be hung for your crimes and the birds are going to eat your flesh. And the butler, uh, you're, in three days, you are going to be reinstated by your, to your position. And that's exactly exact what happened. A little while later, my friend, I think it's two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has a dream in the palace and nobody knows what it means. No one can understand, no one can interpret it. So the butler raises his hand and says, Pharaoh, I'm reminding you of my sins. Remember, I sinned and you threw me into prison? Well, when I was in prison, there was a Jewish slave that was able to interpret dreams. And why don't you, why don't you ask him? Because he, he accurately interpreted my dream and the dream of the baker. And maybe he could do yours as well. So Pharaoh calls Joseph out from prison. And could you imagine the scene? Pharaoh, Joseph is in prison for 12 years. Now, in those days, right, with a dictator like Pharaoh, this wasn't like, you know, you know, jury reviewing or, or appeals or whatever. There was like, if, if he doesn't remember you, that's it. It's over. Game over. And this is after 12 years. He's getting remembered not only to some officer, he's going to Pharaoh. And this is his big opportunity. This is the, the big interview. That, you know, that we sometimes uh, think of those big moments of our lives. This is Joseph's big moment. And Pharaoh calls him out of prison. He says, Joseph, I hear you interpret dreams. 
Now, if it was you or I, maybe not you, but me, I would say, yeah, sure, no problem. Tell me your dream. You know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be happy to try to interpret it. But Joseph doesn't say that. You know what Joseph says? We don't do anything. I don't do anything. God interprets dreams. Maybe, maybe he'll, maybe he'll, he'll uh, enlighten me with what your dream means. So Joseph completely leads with his strength. How do you lead with your strength? Get out of the way. Get your ego out of the way. Get your self-centeredness out of the way. Lead with your strength. And Joseph says, I, I can't do it, but, but I'm happy to listen. And maybe God will, will send me the, the interpretation of your dream. Okay. So Pharaoh says, well, I had a dream. I had a dream that there were seven skinny, scrawny cows. And there were seven robust, healthy cows. And the seven skinny, scrawny cows consumed, ate the seven, uh, the seven fat cows. And then I awoke and I had another dream. And there were seven scrawny stalks of wheat. And there were seven robust stalks of wheat. And the seven scrawny stalks of wheat uh, swallowed the seven robust stalks of wheat. And that's the dream. And Joseph said, this is what it means. What it means is there's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of, of, of plenty. There's going to be, going to be overwhelming uh, crops and we're going to have plenty to eat. And then it's going to be followed by seven years of famine. And, and Joseph advises Pharaoh. He says, what you should do is appoint a wise person. Torah says, Chacham Eina Barosho, a wise person is someone who could, could see, what, see the future of what's going to be. So a wise person will know that if there's a famine coming up, so therefore, just because there's plenty now, we have to start saving now. And appoint a wise person and let that wise person save for the seven years of famine. And then for the seven years of plenty, we will, you'll have enough food. And that is what, that is what Pharaoh, so Pharaoh says, I don't know anybody wiser than you, and I, I'm appointing you to I'm appointing you to uh, to to oversee the, the the saving of the grain. And Joseph is appointed as the second in command to Pharaoh from prison to the second of command to Pharaoh. And again, you know, this whole process started. How did this whole process start? Because Joseph said to the butler and the baker, I see, I see you're, you're, you're a little downcast today. You care about people. Eventually, he's the second man to the king. He just said, I see you're downcast. Today. Maybe I can help you. They told him the dream. And, uh, and now Pharaoh, Joseph is second in command to the king. And we'll see in later weeks how that translates into his brothers coming down to buy food, eventually his dream coming true and, and, uh, and, and then bowing down to him because they don't know that it's, well, he's, he's a second in command in Egypt. And, and they come down and they bow down to him. And then eventually the Jewish people move down to Egypt. For, for that, you'll have to stay tuned for future Torah portions. But I just want to highlight a couple game changers that we must not leave this Torah portion without internalizing. So number one, my friend, Mr. Andrew Perlman, listen to this. The Talmud, going back, now that we know the whole story, the Talmud talks about this, a disagreement in the Talmud. If you remember, when Joseph came to the palace, when there was nobody there, and it was only the wife, he was alone with the wife of Potiphar. 
And there is a disagreement in the Talmud that they don't teach you in Hebrew school, right? This is not Hebrew school. So they don't teach you in Hebrew school. They just say that he was doing his work and she attacked him. But there's a opinion in the Talmud that when he went Lasos Malacha, he didn't go to do his work, which was he was supposed to be doing. He went down to sin with the wife of Potiphar. His mission was after all this time of her harassing him and trying to trying to seduce him, he was ready to fall. It says in the, the Torah, it says twice that Joseph came down to Mitzrayim. So the first time he came down to Mitzrayim, that's reporting the story. But then it said, but you're in Mitzrayim. He went, he came down to Mitzrayim. And the commentators say a beautiful, the Shemesh Shmuel says a beautiful idea that he, he was sucked into the de- deprivation of Egypt. He came from such a holy place, grew up in the house of Jacob, and he went down to Egypt. In other words, a person is influenced by surroundings, right? We all know we're influenced by our surroundings, right? By, by the constant messages of, of what's important or, 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 or to make money or to get ahead or to look good or to, you know, that we, 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 we are, are influenced by our surroundings. And Joseph was influenced by, by his surroundings. If he wasn't, he never would have even be tempted by the wife of Potiphar, a married woman. That's, that's insanity. Well, of course he wouldn't be interpreted. It was only because he was on a lower level. He got sucked into the lower level of Egypt and he went down to do his malacha, to do his work. He went down to be with her. And at the last second, at the last second, right before sinning, he, he saw his father's image. He, he, he remembered who he was. I am the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I can't be doing this. And he wanted to run away. And she grabbed his bigado, his, his, his clothing. It's, on the surface, it means his, big, his clothing, but it could also mean his guilt. She grabbed his guilt. She, she tried to hold on to his guilt and say, Come on, you're going to be so righteous now? You're running away now? Come on, you came here to do this, you loser. You're the the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you're you're living with a married woman? She tried to hold on to his guilt over him and say that you're a nobody. You're a nothing. You're, 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 You're a loser. And therefore, just do another sin. What's a big deal? And still, he he slipped off his his begging, he, he, he left his guilt and he ran away. And there's just such a important idea that we need to internalize this. You know, Joseph is the prototype. Maisa Abu Simon Labanim, the actions of our forefathers, is, it has to be a message for us. This is our forefather. This is our, 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 our great grandfather, great uncle Joseph, right? And he is a prototype of the Jew in exile. We are in exile. We are influenced by our surroundings. What We just are. We are surrounded by messages that are anti-Torah and anti-Judaism. And we are, we are influenced by them. But just because we are influenced by them, just because we sinned yesterday, just because we sinned the day before, doesn't mean we're a loser. It means we... We're given these challenges, listen to this, we're given these challenges in order to access our innate greatness. Why did Joseph see his innate greatness? Why did he see the or the image or he thought of the image of his father? Why? Because he realized his greatness. Why? Because he was faced with the challenge. If we're not faced with the challenge, we often might not tap into our awesome potential. 
Why are we given the challenge in order to, to actualize our potential? Joseph went down to sin with a married woman, Joseph. According to one commentary, it's a, it's a, it's a disagreement in the Talmud between Ram and Shmuel. According to one ta- commentary, he went down in, not a commentary, in, in the Talmud. One of the sages of the Talmud says he went down to act out with this woman. And, and at the last second, he decided this, I'm too great. And we need to internalize that and realize that no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter what our philosophies are, we are awesome children of of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are a piece of infinite. If you are a human being and you are listening to this, then know that you are a piece of the infinite and you can accomplish incredible things. And we just have to not get not be let people grab our guilt, not let ourselves grab our guilt. Well, you know, Hanukkah is coming up. This Sunday night is the holiday of Hanukkah. And we light that little candle. And the beautiful idea I heard from Rabbi Akiva Tatz. You know, we light the candle. There was a miracle of Hanukkah that, uh, you know, that, that happened, you know, with, with so much fanfare. There's eight days of miracle. But in a way that when you and I light that little candle, it's a much greater miracle than the miracle of Hanukkah. That today we're still thousands of years later, still lighting that menorah. We're trying to light up the darkness. We might live in a, in a, in a, uh, in, met with messages that might be very anti-Torah. That might be might be uh, dragging us away from spirituality and Shabbat and Torah and being kind and 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 you know there's violent video games and violent movies and and there might be a lot of hatred and anti-Semitism but we're still lighting that candle so even greater than the miracle of Hanukkah from thousands of years ago is the miracle of Hanukkah that you and I are going to light a menorah this Sunday night and uh, and 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 light up the darkness and stand true to our convictions. And because that's why we're in exile, we're in exile to uh, bring out our innate, incredible potential. Is that awesome, Andrew? It's interesting that Hanukkah, the time of the year that it happens always changes, but is it always... uh lining up with this Torah portion or is that that's a great question that's a beautiful idea I I I, uh I never made that connection but uh I I, there's no coincidence it is always around this area around this time and uh it's always challenging for me you know as a rabbi what to speak about because there's so many I mean there's always so much to speak about but I'm I'm uh in my limited knowledge that you know I get excited about these uh these Torah portions the Hanukkah so excuse me it's hard to it's hard to uh but yeah, it's 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 very much lines up, and 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 really, that is what the uh, that, that's that's you know why are there so many stories in the Torah, the tales. I mean, it's good drama. It's you know it's nice, but but if the Torah is a law book, so then just tell us the laws. Why is there so much drama? Why do we need to know the stories that happened to our ancestors? And the concept is, we said, Maisa Abba Simulabanim. They are plowing a path for us, right? There's nobody who is, uh, you know, could you imagine a 17-year-old, a 17-year-old in Egypt by himself, the only Jew in the entire country, sold to Egypt by his brothers, right? Sold to Egypt, and still he's able to remain true. And that message is that we have that innate power, that if that we can, we can overcome, we can stick to our, our morals and our ethics, even if all of our friends and people around us might not 
be doing Shabbat, right? You could, you could, right? We spoke last week, going to a potluck, right? You could, you know, even if you're a potluck uh, celebrating, you know, you're with having a potluck dinner, you can go to the corner and light up the potluck dinner with just making kiddush. Take a cup of wine, making a kiddush. You just blew up the whole place with spirituality. We're like, whoa, what was that, right? And, and it's legal. So, right, and so, and or if like you're in a bad mood and you and you see the mailman and you smile, hey, good morning, how are you, right? I ju- just today in the synagogue, there's sometimes the guy, a guy collecting uh, money, um, you know, just, you know, people collecting money. So I didn't have any money on me. And sometimes they have a credit card machine, but they didn't even have a credit card machine. I had no money. So I sort of avoided him. There's two doors. So I said, I don't have any money. I, I should avoid him. But then I said, but I could still smile at him. Right. So I went back and I didn't have any money. I said, I'm sorry, but have a great day. You know, good luck. Hatzlacha. And, he, and he gave me this big smile. I'm like, wow, you know, in a way, it's more valuable to give a guy a smile than my, what if there was a dollar. You know, a dollar is, you know, go, comes and goes. But a smile, that's uh, so the message of Hanukkah, the message of this week's Torah portion is, is realize our greatness, realize who we are. If Joseph was able to hold on to his values, in Egypt, then we can certainly, uh, you know, with our support system and, uh, and, and for thousands of years, our ancestors have been doing, have been sticking to our values. The people say, you know, often, you know, can you prove to me, you know, about the Torah? Can you prove to me about, you know, God? It's just, all you have to do is look in the mirror. The fact that if you're still Jewish today, after all the years of persecution and expulsion and Holocaust and discrimination, and we're still lighting that, that Hanukkah candle. We're, we're, we're reminding ourselves that our mission is to light up the world. And, and, uh, and we, we, we are, we're pieces of infinite. We're we're a piece of God. And it's a natural thing. Don't let them grab. Don't let ourselves grab our guilt. Don't, don't uh, hang on to, oh, okay, yesterday I was no good. The day before I was no good. doesn't matter. Today, this second, I can be awesome. And then going back to what we said about the book of, of, of Reuven, the book of Andrew, right? The book of Rabbi E, that when when we read the book of our lives, when when you know in heaven, when you know, when we're stu- studied to right, we have a lesson to bring to the world for not just our generation, we have lessons to bring for eternity. What, what is a lesson? Because we are faced by challenges that no one is ever faced with again. No one has my talents, my sphere of influence, my situation, right? No one ever in history ever will or ever was have my makeup, my package of, of connections, talents, challenges, nobody. And how I react to those, how I play my cards, how I is just like we learned from Joseph the world, the spiritual world will learn from me and you. How do we play our cards? Each one of our actions is vitally important. And that is the message of Hanukkah. That is the message of this week's Torah portion, that every second counts in an incredible way. We can do incredible things. We can be awesome. We can light up this world and flood it with light, joy, Happiness, serenity, connection. So thank you all so much for tuning in. There's lots more there. So, uh, but Andrew has cautioned me to keep it short. I don't know uh, how how short it's been, but uh, but there's lots more there. 
and uh, make sure you check out the Torah portion, learn about Hanukkah. It's so deep, so beautiful. If you have any questions, uh, reach out Rabbi E at ma'ar.org. And if you get a chance to leave a review, you get extra points. Thank you so much, my friends, and have a beautiful Shabbat.